0: Recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where uh, each week, three times a week, uh, we go over a, a little bit too on the nose, uh, very timely uh, te- uh, techno thriller directed by Robert Wise in 1971 Universal Pictures, The Andromeda
1: Strain. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. Hey, everybody, joining Jim today is my pleasure as one of the hosts of The Wilder Ride. I'm Alan Sanders. And I am the other host of The Wilder Ride, Walt Murray.
0: And guys, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, this is, I, I can never figure out if these are the exciting moments of the movie. I don't think these are very exciting, but this is just kind of a, gosh, this is watching people entering, <laughs> entering a government facility by having their uh, fingerprints read. So uh, it's, it's all luck of the draw on these Well,
1: it's like, it's like saying, let's go watch 2001 A Space Odyssey for that great chase scene. You know, yeah it's just you don't get that <laughs> well and as i told
2: alan earlier it, half the movie is people walking down hallways so yeah. it, it's really funny just how the, the differences between a modern adventure movie and this movie so uh, we got a lot to talk about in this minute even though there isn't a whole lot going on oh for well, sure yeah
1: to jump in just cuz i know you've probably go over this with every guest because you know they want to talk about their remembrance and whatever but for me what i kind of love about this movie still and i know Walt you and i have been chatting a little bit about it i like the fact that it's almost meant to look like it's a real like almost a documentary in the same in the style of the people look real the actors aren't you know like super made up with you know beautiful hair and all these costumes and stuff it feels like they're trying to make it look real like this is a true and so that slower pace it kind of works for me because now i'm interested in the dialogue and how they're trying to solve this problem
0: yeah I agree. I agree i mean and and this uh the every up to this minute well when the first first time we see uh dutton and levitt uh show up in the metal you know in this metal walled uh part of it we had hints and and kind of uh, vestiges of the idea that there there is some kind of a major facility but this is the first minute that we actually see we're in this gigantic uh, donut shaped multi-level uh center that seems far removed from the uh the little country bumpkin place that was upstairs um i i like that whole feeling of the future and and taking you know that that there's a lot more that we don't know about it's this is um i keep thinking of it as uh Comfort panic porn. It's, it's one of those things that, well, yeah, no matter what happens, no matter what bad thing there is out in the world, somewhere there's really smart guys and gals uh, working on a project, and they, they've, they've even built an entire facility just ready to handle these things. Um,
1: you know, but on, on a parallel to that, I, I get the sort of the iceberg analogy that whatever we think we know our government's working on, 90% of it's below the surface.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. And it's just it's so... Um, it it's how you want you know even if they're not capable of doing these things it's how you want their you you want this competence uh fiction to go on hopefully everybody knows what they're doing and and these are the top people they've brought in and and they all know what they're doing and they only have to do this you know maybe two weeks out of the year or in this case they've never met each other but they're going to work as a team and and get this whole problem solved in the next uh, hour and 10 minutes
1: or or four days according to the narrative. So yeah. <laughs> well, and when I when I was, well wait, wait wait a minute. It only takes four days. Wait, I, what's going on with in in 2020? I mean, we're on three months, and I they haven't figured this one out. <laughs> well, it's
2: because they haven't gone to this facility yet.
1: Oh, that must yeah. be it. <laughs> but you know, the
2: the funny thing is, with this being in 1971, I kept thinking this is what people thought Area 51 was like. You know, yeah. super secretive in the desert. But this gigantic facility that there's absolutely no way they could have built this without people knowing about it.
0: Yeah, like every everybody that was working on it, all the bricklayers and the uh, the guys that were running the backhoes, they were they were taken out into a big pit in the desert and forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like from sniper.
2: I still have the shovel. Oh,
1: gosh. I... <laughs> hey guys, here's your bonus. <laughs> I, I I had a,
0: a good a good friend of mine uh, uh, who uh, unfortunately passed a few years back. I uh, Always thought this first, <laughs> he, had, he it it stuck with me this this one scene uh, where we get to level one with the red walls and everything like that. He said, "You know, if the Oscar Mayer mobile had a garage, it would look like." <laughs>
1: this.
0: Boy, is he right about that? Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, uh, spot on. It just. Um, it's, it's amazing. I, I think the art direction should have gotten, uh, an Oscar for, for this film, because it's so, you believe all of it and you, you're buying every, you know, the color coordination, uh, the costumes, the, it, it, as, as you were saying, it just, the verisimilitude is so fantastic in this thing. You can say, okay, I could see them, you know, t- taking, uh, taking careful notes on what, uh, what's down there. And, uh, so, you know, somebody, somebody has this all designed. Uh, we go into that gigantic um the center of the toroid there with uh, uh the classic 70, 60s, sixties seventies i mean those are those are star trek bridge uh status lights in the in the main room there it doesn't doesn 't need anything written on it just uh just big blinking yellow lights with maybe something something written on it but you don 't even need to know what it is mm-hmm. um i uh i do am- appreciate the amount of metal work <laughs> there 's so, so much uh I you know I keep wondering with uh, Elon Musk if he designed the Cybertruck after seeing the uh, the wildfire consoles because they've all got the same that brushed aluminum and uh, just no no worry about wiring or uh, you know any kind of uh, patch panels or anything all this stuff is they're not gonna expand anymore they don't they, they know exactly how many monitors they need and how many buttons are gonna be on the walls so it's uh, you know it's done in
2: one. You well, know the also, thing is. Oh, oh, go, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Walt. Now, I was just going to say, it's it's also very sterile. It has that futuristic feel, but it also has kind of that scientific medical feel to it, too, that there's not a surface on there that's dirty, everything is, you know, spotless. And it is a um, sci-fi convincing uh, set that you, you really can kind of buy into the fact that this is a government
1: research facility for something like this. Yeah, the only thing though that I was gonna say is because it's a great visual look, but why do we have to have round corridors for a facility that's just about fighting microorganisms or, or viruses that might come in from outer space? Because it, it almost makes you feel like you're either in a spaceship or in a video game. Because
2: Square is too normal.
1: <laughs> well, see, or, or you know what? It sometimes reminds me of like we're in a in a in a what do you call it a, a collider like a those yeah. big underground you know what do you call it hadrons collider or whatever oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. well, but I, obviously I, that's not what they're doing here they're just creating concentric circles that go down each one more more, more uh, I guess uh, germ free than the next like you get to the bottom and it's like there's nothing you can't even eat regular food you know yeah. Well, at the end of this minute, they have the the view from right
2: behind the, I don't know, Sergeant or whoever is sitting at the console. And you can see the entire room from where he's sitting, where if it's a square room, you have a feeling that some of the stuff is distant and that he'd actually have to kind of, you know, get up to get to it or to get up to, to monitor it. But from where he sits, he can monitor every single light and panel and dial and uh, monitor in that room from that chair. So I kind of thought that that's why that was designed that way, just so he had complete visual control over everything. I always thought, since this
0: seems to be the center of the entire, what we're considering is is there's a bunch of rings stacked on top of each other, like some kind of a Fisher-Price kid's toy. Mm-hmm. but the i I'm hoping that the rings get larger even though in a later minute we're we're gonna see how they're they're all supposed to be the same size if they are the same size that's a very small uh center because each you know I, i'm assuming that 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 corridor that that wraps around the entire outside of this doesn't leave a lot of pie slices if everything down below uh is gonna be that size it's not gonna be uh a lot of room to um to do stuff and and this would be the roof of what would later be the central core or am I mistaking the the geometry of this place
1: no I think you're right and I I don't know if you've talked about this already but you know they only built one layer and they just kept when they finished all the scenes from layer one they would go in and paint it all and now you're layer two so (laughs) visually they're all exactly the same dimensions um I thought I don't know how wide each of the outer rooms goes versus the one inner room that seems like it's a pretty decent inner room. We're going to see the control room. But then there's also in that inner circle, because we see where the people come in, there's got to be an elevator shaft as well that goes through the core. Right. Yeah. But I think that I
0: think the elevator shaft is on the outside placement. Because when uh, as we see at the beginning of this minute, when we see the door open. uh, Are you sure? Because when it opens,
1: it looks like you're looking inside the room.
0: Well, when, when the entrance to level one, when he's inside the metal one, and that door opens, across from him on the other side of the toroid is an elevator. So it's on the outer side of that circle.
1: Oh, see, I don't look at it that way. Since oh, with, at, yeah. at second 15, when you see them come in and meet the two people walking down the hall, those are the two that are now making their entrance. So I got oh, the sense okay, the elevator's yeah. in the core.
0: But there's an elevator. Oh, okay, yeah. I see, I see what you because mean. Because it was
1: a POV shot from them. They were looking yeah. as that steel door open, so the, yeah. the elevator is part of the core. Well, well I wonder here. if
2: the elevator they
1: just came down on. No, that's not. No, that, it's it's like in the outside. Yeah. External. Because no, this is layer one. The, the red is, is the top layer. So when they open, they do the palm print thing. That's letting them into the very top ring. Uh, and that, yeah. when that door opens, you're looking straight into the room at the elevator looking across that door. So
0: Toward, toward the center. Of, yeah, that's sort of the tenor, center of the toroid. So are there multiple? I, I can't. Yeah, it, the, the geography on this thing still bugs me. Um, and as they, uh, as they walk to the Delta 5, the Delta 5 is still in the inside.
1: Yeah, to confirm that, that they are looking at the elevator on the inner ring, if you look just as they open the door and you get the POV shot, there's like a metal, it's a very thin but rectangular plate above the elevator door. When yeah. we cut to the side shot, you're going to see that same metal plate to the right on the on the right wall versus the other wall has clocks above it.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, that's the nuclear um, bomb uh, warning that will later play the role down on the yeah on the floor.
1: <laughs> hey, there's a virus loose. Let's go ahead and <laughs> nuke the facility. <laughs> it's the only way to be sure. <laughs>
0: uh, so I'm I'm guessing that they filmed you know having having recently painted my family room. I'm guessing that this would be the last. Uh, level that they painted because you you don't want to go from red and then get out the you know three buckets of kills and and try to cover it up to get down to uh, the white color of of level
2: five that's funny that you said that because when alan explained that i was thinking man i bet the crew hated them for starting with red
1: <laughs> well you know what i don't know the order they shot but i did read that at the time this was one of the most expensive indoor sets that they spent money on. It was like $300,000 just on the set.
0: Wow. Well, I could imagine all the metal that they're using, I mean, both here and then in the animal labs, uh, just, just cutting, all, cutting all that aluminum and, and f- fitting it so that it would know, look good on screen. is amazing. But, yeah, I would think if they're going to be filming this from a practical manner, they would have started with Level 5, and this scene here would have been one of the last ones they would have filmed as they went darker and darker in the, uh, uh, in the film. Uh, Robert wise, if anything, he was very much a, a budget oriented man who you know he tried to figure out how to how to make the higher ups uh, happy
1: so mm-hmm. i
0: i can 't imagine him uh, you know, i, I can 't imagine him missing that in the uh, in the scheduling uh,
1: no so- I think this was on purpose I think they wanted to really create this this super hyper realistic set or it, it, obviously it 's got a futuristic feel to it, but as like you could believe that there would be this the cutting edge bio-research facility that is run by the government. I mean, I mean, we have to remember also as a product of its time, which, Walt, you and I were, were talking about, you were telling me, gosh, this is not how they make movies today. But at the time they were making this, don't forget, we were still, we hadn't, I don't think, landed on the moon yet when the book came out. We had by the time the movie came out, but, uh, you know, Crichton had been writing this book still in the midst of the Cold War, still in the midst of the space race. So there was this sense of... You know, what is our government doing to try to beat the Russians? And so we had a very pro government. We're spending our money wisely. All of it's going to do great, honorable things, right? So I think you would get a 1971 audience going, wow, look at how, this amazing facility they built. And I think that's what they were trying to go for with the look and feel of the set design.
0: Yeah, and they were coming along with the same, you know, the same ideas as far back as um like Flint, uh, fantastic voyage or uh, colossus the forbin project that somewhere there's government agencies building gigantic you know there's these gigantic construction projects that involve large uh, unknown facilities so this is you know, def- definitely in keeping with what the other uh, you know studios like uh, fox and uh, and mgm were doing uh it's it's it is beautiful. I mean, it makes you wish you could go visit it somewhere. I mean, it's so tor- this is all torn down. It was you know made out of uh, bent plywood and things, but still, uh, just a just a beautiful
2: set that you want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, funny because my dad started working for the federal government in 1968, and I remember going to his office through the 70s and 80s, and it was nothing like this. And you could tell they didn't spend much money on it. yeah it was all cinder blocks cinder blocks very utilitarian um kind of kind of junky in in a way i mean it it wasn't they they weren't um optically pleasing (laughs) they were they were very just you know metal and concrete
1: and yeah whoever won the lowest bid basically that's that's right which really just makes me laugh when you see stuff like this and depending on when, if it's late 60s, 70s, lots of brown carpet and yellow tiles. And yes. Yeah. Just yeah. blah.
0: De- Desks that had been imported from somewhere else. They had, you know, been, been pre- they had previously served on an aircraft carrier or something like right. that. <laughs> <laughs> Here, these are extra. We can dump them off. Um, wh- one thing this does remind me of, when I was a, when I was a kid growing up in, in high school, I belonged to a, a Boy Scout Explorer post that was run by IBM. At the uh, IBM Watson Research Center in uh, in Yorktown Heights, New York, and uh, the Watson Research Center that IBM built was this uh, not quite not a not a donut, but it was kind of a uh, maybe half a donut, uh, and it was just this big uh, sl- uh, sl- uh, curving building. And uh, as he walked around it, it, it didn't look too much different from this, except that the uh, the left wall was all glass, and you'd look out over a reservoir. Um, but it went on for, I'd say, maybe 200 yards of this, of this giant arc of a building that covered maybe uh, on a pie shape, it would maybe be 30% of a circle. And, hmm. uh, you know, I, I was thinking if somebody was going to build this, it would be private industry rather than, I mean, if you go to some of the, if you go to Apple's uh, headquarters in Cupertino. Uh, this is what they build, this is how they build them to impress things. I mean, I think of S.E. Johnson's headquarters. You know, you hire a, a Frank Lloyd Wright to show something sweeping and, and to give you the feeling that, yeah, I'm in the future. I live here in the future. So maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe these are all subcontractors and we're only thinking of them as government employees. Um, but it's, yeah, it's still just a, a, great, a great bit of art direction in, in any case. Um,
1: now, did you already cover that the same guy is the same guy who was the art director on 2001? Uh, no, I did not, no, uh, but definitely, uh, you know. You can, he, see the, you can see the similarities in how, the, you know, a lot of those rounded edges and sort of the way the technology is reflected, but there, that's why I think it's cool how similar they are, not just in tone, but you actually had the art director uh, working on both. Yeah,
0: it, it, it def, definitely, be, all the smooth lines, not a square angle in the whole thing, <laughs> it's, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, this could easily be the Earthlight room uh, on the space station. Um, one minor thing that, that I want to point out, and, uh, Alan, we were talking about this before the show started. We do hear the, uh, uh, the the people saying gibberish about isothermal readings for MC levels 4 and 5, a ZB, NRA over 2, point whatever that means. Uh, it, but the uh, fellow that's making the announcement is a rather famous name in uh, voiceovers. That's uh, Don Messick, who uh, was the voice of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> that's really? really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, uh he's, a, new. <laughs> yeah. he's he's um um which one got the the Ranger from uh uh Jellystone Park. So, yeah. Oh yeah just, just once you hear his voice and then you hear you know, when you hear them making the making the Wasn't announcement. was not he Papa like, Smurf? Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. So uh you know, you hear that <laughs> voice, you're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ooh, wow! Crazy. I've got Papa
1: Smurf telling me some gibberish nonsense about ZB NRA two point nine over <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but
0: yeah, just I cra- looked.
1: I, I I'll, I'll, I'll I'll use this joke again because Walt wasn't here. But I looked this up trying to figure out. Well, that's not your uh, military. At, you know, uh, alphabeticals. Uh, you you know, it's it, B would be Bravo. Z is um, Zebra. Uh, Z, Zulu. Z- Z- oh, zebra. Z- zebra. Right. Yeah. yeah Z- zebra. Bra- bravo. So it's not obviously that. And NRA, I was like, well, does that stand for like nominal ratio? Now, all I could find when I did ZBNRA over 2.9 is I got a bunch of Samantha B videos talking bad about the NRA. <laughs> 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 so I, I don't okay. know that the Internet was much of a help for me looking this know. one up. So you're <laughs> saying it probably is gibberish no matter which one you go to? I think, yeah. I think it is. I, I was hoping it meant something, but I couldn't find it.
0: Yeah, I just want to know what happens if, you know, the denominator of 2.9 goes down. Or are they supposed to do something or, you know, when <laughs> is that going to I think every question, every time you hear something on the PA, you go, well, is that going to set off the bomb or not? <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be my constant worry that, you know, you figure the guy that's that's ringing out the mops in the in the maintenance room is going, are we going to blow up today? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I, you know, it, uh, well, every
2: time they start through that kind of stuff. I do the same thing that I did in college algebra, <laughs> and it's like my brain just automatically shuts off until I hear something that is recognizable. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, just, just when, they, when they call your name, that's when you, that's when you listen to it. That's the right. Announcement. Wow. It's, it's almost
2: like listening to, it's, it's like watching a movie that has 10 seconds of someone speaking French, and you just kind of <laughs> shut it off for those 10 <laughs> seconds and read whatever's on the screen and then move on. Like now, a French guy's gonna kill James Bond. But w- when they started into that, I was like, "I hope that means something," but I have no idea. Yeah. Like I'm never gonna figure it's, it out. Somebody's gonna have to tell me. This better okay, not be so important did, to the plot. Yeah.
1: Did you look up what uh, what isothermal means? So that way, we'd at least know what the heck this was trying to get us to believe.
0: Uh, I would think isothermal would mean like uh, where some you know, where something has a, a certain hot spot, but I'm not sure if it's.
1: Well, if it's, if, it, if it's the true scientific terminology, it's how uh, a temperature stays the same even in a system that's changing. Like your refrigerator has a lot going on inside of it, but all to keep an isothermal reaction where you keep the temperature the same unless you open the door, right? It's always trying to keep the temperature exactly the same. Oh, so it's okay. like, okay, so if you've got a, a, an isothermal reading, it's supposed to say nothing's supposed to change. But right now we're 2.9 over. So is that good? Is that bad? Because <laughs> something's not going isothermal if you're going over or under. It's supposed to stay zero. Yeah, what they're suspecting is somebody's
0: smoking in the uh, biology <laughs> lab. <I guess>. right.
2: <laughs> that would do it. We
0: know what you're doing. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> somebody's wow. down there smoking. Hey, <laughs> You're ruining the isothermal reaction at MC levels four and five. <laughs> Weed is still not legal.
0: <laughs> Even him. underground, yeah. Uh, wow. Well, uh, this this has been kind of a you know the meet and greet of of this episode is, is going on. So it's it's a little bit early in the week, but we're going to get into some uh, some angry sarcasm in the in the next <laughs> in the very next minute. Uh, but let's let's hold off on that until Wednesday. Um, Alan, and, well, thank thanks again for being on this week. Uh,
1: where can people listen to your dulcet tones uh, elsewhere on the on the internet and such? <laughs> Well, um, let me start, and then I always kick it over to Walt for all like the detail. We do a show called The Wilder Ride. Uh, the first two seasons were very much in the Movies by Minutes format, and we called it The Wilder Ride in honor of the passing of Gene Wilder. We decided rather than a franchise, we were going to look at the body of work of an actor, and we did Young Frankenstein for season one. We did Blazing Saddles for season two. We had already started recording and had done all of the show prep we thought we would need to for Silver Streak season three. When some uh, things happened uh, in our personal lives, and then we got hit by a pandemic that really shut down uh, the guest list that we had set for us, at least at the time. And by the time we looked at the calendar and said, how are we going to make this work? We realized, you know what, we're going to have to punt it to another year. We don't want to shortchange the movie. But we had always talked about maybe doing a sideshow. We had met so many cool people like you, Jim, and others that we thought... Everyone's got a great story to tell. Wouldn't it be great to have sort of a one-hour talk show once a week where we can bring somebody on and make it more about the guest, you know? Just what are they doing? and make it, make it more like a, like a talk show. And yeah. so we decided to kick that off for Season 3, and so we're calling it our Listener's Lounge. So that way, if things get back to normal next season, we could talk about a movie on one side, and then you can go hang out in the lounge on the other side. So that's, that's kind of the premise that we're going through right now with Season 3.
0: Wow uh well i guess when the universe is giving you hints like that you take
2: the hint don't do what you're doing right now (laughs) yeah and some of them were kind of nuclear bombs and uh, so and then and two one of the things that we found and you know we've talked about this a little bit with uh with silver streak as much as we like it and as many people as we talked to who said oh yeah i remember that movie great movie not as many people were as intimately familiar with it as they were blazing saddles or young frankenstein so there were a lot of people who weren't comfortable to jump in and and do one of the earlier episodes so we kind of felt like we were pushing a rope all the time um trying to get it going and so uh, but we're really having fun with what we're doing now we've been able to interview some great people so far um we we've had a couple of uh, of our guests share some things that we were just kind of floored by and uh, you realize that even though some of the, the folks that you know that you kind of hold up on a pedestal that they have feet of clay, too, and they're struggling through life just like we are. So uh, it's been really a great experience so far, and I look
1: forward to all the other people we've got coming up. And yeah, to make it short and sweet, we were <clears throat> we got lucky with the show name, The Wilder Ride. Yeah, it wasn't used anywhere. So that's all you have to look for, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the website, the podcatcher of choice, even uh, on our uh, Patreon account or our T Public store. Everywhere you go, it's the Wilder Ride. Easy to find. That's the best. That's, that's the best marketing. Absolutely. There is and Jim, one of the um,
2: one of the guests we'll have here in a few weeks is a, a guy that I need to need to introduce you to, and that's Shane Kimbrough. Uh, Shane has been up on a couple of shuttle missions, and he has spent an extended period of time on the uh, International Space Station.
0: Wow, definitely, yeah, definitely so, want to talk with him on uh, on one of my other yes, things, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, thank thanks, I appreciate that very much. Wow, well, uh, let's pick this up. If folks have been uh, wanting to reach out to us on social media, we're available on several different spots, uh, of course and drama minute.com is where you can get all the previous 40 episodes of this show and uh, more to come check check there and it's always available in things like Spotify and you know you know all the Apple podcast kind of uh uh, Podcatcher thing so we won't go through that list uh, on social media uh, if you want to talk back on Facebook at Project Wildfire or on uh, Twitter at Andromeda Minute but we will be picking this up uh, again on Wednesday with you guys so uh, in the meantime please everybody wash your hands uh, stay six feet apart and let's get through this uh, one and done please let's just get it over with uh, but we'll see you here next time on Wednesday on the Andromeda Minute <laughs>